This is a GRDC podcast. With livestock prices the way they are at the moment, there are some significant opportunities available to croppers who graze their crops over autumn and winter. How significant? Well, if you can get hold of enough livestock to fit your needs, the answer might surprise you. Hello, I'm Chris Brown. I caught up with Lindsay Bell from CSIRO's Agriculture and Food at the GRDC Research Update in Dubbo, where he presented some fairly positive figures as to what dual-purpose cropping can do to the bottom line. We've seen that farmers can achieve up to $1,000 per hectare additional gross margin from taking the opportunity to graze a crop if they've done everything right and put that on their bottom line. So that's a massive impact on farm profitability through taking on that opportunity in their farming system. How did you come up with that figure? So I guess we've arrived at that by looking at how much grazing that the dual purpose crops provide in the farming system but it's not just the amount of grazing that they provide it's it's the opportunity they provide to alter your livestock enterprise fill the winter feed gap and mitigate supplementary feeding increase the stocking rate you can achieve on your remaining land and hence bring about that massive benefit in terms of farm profit has benefits in terms of pasture spelling in other parts of the farm so has the potential to increase the subsequent stocking rate you can achieve on your pasture land as well and so put all that together and we can see something like a 20 to 30 percent increase in stocking rate achieved on our non-cropped area of our farm. The other amazing thing I thought was that it's hard to go wrong I mean you can go wrong obviously it could be less than at a thousand dollars but it's hard to actually lose. Yeah, so one of the key advantages most farmers and our research has really shown is that by taking this opportunity for grazing a crop early in the growing season, you're essentially putting the money in the bank. So the economic value you've derived from that grazing opportunity usually is enough to cover the variable costs that you've spent on that crop. So any grain yield that you subsequently get, you're, you're ahead. So that's the cream. And that is a really useful thing in terms of de-risking the farming system as we face more variable climates and particularly in the face of high livestock prices that we're seeing right now. Well, we are seeing high livestock prices, but does the same apply when livestock prices aren't as good? Yeah, we've looked at the sensitivity to that, Chris. So we find that typically the dual-purpose crops are pretty robust in terms of how economically feasible they are in the face of a whole range of livestock prices to grain prices. So it doesn't really make a lot of difference. You still get an increase in profitability opportunity from it, irrespective of those things. Of course, that means you have to manage those crops a bit more carefully if, if you've got a very high grain price and a low livestock price because you don't want to lose yield. So any yield loss that you have as a result of that grazing opportunity can have a larger impact on your bottom line if grain prices are high relative to livestock prices. Now, wheat seems to be the really safe bet, but canola is also an opportunity, but a little bit more risky in terms of grazing. I guess one From a dollar point of view, I mean. Uh, We've, our research has really identified canola as a big opportunity to complement dual-purpose cereals like wheat in the system, and so that does that in many ways. So there's a rotational benefit of having canola in your system, but it also fills the gap between wheat. So often we get two grazing opportunities in wheat. So canola grazing a dual-purpose canola really fits the bill in terms of filling the gap between those two grazing opportunities on your wheat, and I guess that opportunity is there. What we do find though is that to manage that grazing more carefully in canola. You've got a higher value product, so any reduction in grain yield that you encounter with that canola has a bigger impact. So 
being a bit more careful about how you manage the grazing on that canola to avoid yield penalties is much more important. You did mention that we're talking about early sowing here. So one, how early is early and so what sort of weeds are we looking at? One of the key elements to this dual purpose crop opportunity is to maximise the grazing opportunity that is out there is planting these things early. So that means that we can't sow our traditional sort of spring type varieties in those early sowing windows. So we're talking here late February to early April. If we plant our normal spring type varieties, they flower too early and no matter how much grazing you do, you can't set them back enough. So what we're talking about here is the winter type variety. So they're specifically designed or suited to this dual purpose opportunity. That provides a really long grazing window before the vegetative development starts in these crops. So getting those particular types in early has a huge upside opportunity in terms of grazing, but it also those crops also have an inherently high yield opportunity in, when sown early as well. So it's a no-brainer in terms of if you get an early sowing window, which we do quite regularly in these sort of environments in that period between late Feb to early April, or mid-April even, making use of these longer season winter type wheats is a huge opportunity and we've also seen now these types of winter type canolas now on the market to fill exactly the same niche and so they're out there to do exactly the same make use of the same opportunity. Is there a point at which the spring wheats take over in terms of the best bet for grazing? A lot of our research has shown that the transition point between growing these winter type varieties to growing spring type varieties is usually around the end of April. That's when you transition from a winter type into a spring type. The winter types have a higher yield potential earlier than that. They have a lot more grazing opportunity. Once you get past that time, they, they begin to flower too late if you start plant, planting much later than that. The spring types are much more suited to that sowing window. And if you are going to make a use of an opportunity to graze some of these spring types, even though it's a much shorter period, that's when you maximise that grazing potential for them too. Is there a percentage of the amount of crop that you have in the ground that you should be grazing to maximise income? One of the things that happens as you add dual purpose crops into the system, you really fill up the winter feed gap that we often have in, in our livestock enterprises in southern New South Wales. And so once you've added enough dual purpose crops into your farm, you then fill up that feed gap. And so you've increased your winter stocking rate substantially and now you you shift that feed gap to another time of the year. So once you've sort of filled that opportunity, there's not much extra value in a dual purpose crop use in the system. So most of our research has found that if you want to maximise that opportunity, if you're using canola and wheat in, in combination, it's somewhere about 15% of the farm hectares that you might like to plant to a dual purpose crop. In the case of it's just wheat, where you've got a little less smaller grazing opportunity, that's somewhere between 20 to 25% of the farm grazed hectares. So once you get beyond that, the benefits start to d diminish and you start cutting into your grazing land and so the grazing opportunity in other parts of the farm diminish over time and so your stocking rate has to then go down. One of the big issues this year, of course, is going to be getting the stock to actually eat the wheat or the canola. One thing we do find in these things is you need to put quite a few stock onto the dual purpose crops to make use of them, to actually put the dollars in your pocket. And so typically we're talking about grazing densities of 30 to 40 DSEs per hectare. So once you start planting substantial areas of these, you need quite a lot of stock to make use of that dual purpose crop. So in the situation we're facing this year where most people have got depleted numbers, you want to be careful about how much of that land you plant to dual purpose crops because you might end up with a, much, a big surplus of feed as you come into winter if you don't have the mouths to eat it. What's the issue there? What's the problem with that? 
it's not a major problem. It just means that you're probably growing biomass that you're not going to use. And unless you've got another purpose for that, making hay or something like that, you're probably using water and resources that was unnecessary and you might have been better off holding that water back and planting another type of grain crop to make better use of that water. One of the things that struck me from the presentations today has been that you really have to take a bit of a whole systems approach to it because it can alter other things you do, like, for instance, lambing and weaning times. As I mentioned before, once we fill this winter feed gap with these dual-purpose crops, that really changes the opportunity for shifting your livestock enterprise to make use of this new winter feed resource. So typically farms might have operated a spring lambing enterprise because they've got a glut of spring feed, but winter was a bit short. Filling up that winter feed gap really means you could push lambing much earlier into the season, maybe lamb in autumn, finish your lambs much earlier. That has big upsides in terms of potential economic gain when the dual purpose crops are in there and it also has some other side benefits that we think might be important in terms of managing animal health particularly our exposure to fly strike risk and gastrointestinal worm burdens that might be important drivers of why dual purpose crops have a big benefit in in a farm system. And at the other end Lindsay you've rested your pastures for three months of that year you've got enormous benefits into your spring growth. Yeah so one of the experiments that we conducted in Canberra a few years ago really showed that by taking the pressure off your pasture in the winter period and putting stock onto these dual purpose crops you've got a much higher production of pasture in the spring period which means you can have a higher potential stocking rate on the spring pasture and so and when you do the dual purpose wheat and canola and you graze them in a rotation type system you can have a spelling benefit of somewhere between 100 to 90 to 100 days and taking that pressure off your pastures then means you have this really nice surplus of pasture available for the livestock to come onto in spring after they've come off the dual purpose crops and you can up your stocking rate in spring as well. So you put all these things together and the opportunity is large. So what happens then Lindsay if if you decide not to graze and you've planted early? It's not a lost opportunity. You've, You've taken that planting opportunity and you've grown this extra biomass that you may not need because you don't have livestock. What much of the research is showing is that hasn't necessarily had a huge negative consequence Usually these crops can still maintain their grain yield quite comfortably, provided they've got the water resources to do that. They're still achieving very comparable yields to traditional spring-type wheat varieties under that sort of management regime. What it does mean, though, is that you do need to have the water resources there. So if you're planting these crops with far more marginal soil moisture or you haven't had the rainfall in season, those crops are probably more at risk of running out of moisture late in the season and not filling grain efficiently. So there are some risks associated with that. But by and large, if you can match the demand from your livestock to the supply from these dual-purpose crops, then that's when you get the most benefit of these things. From an agronomic point of view, what's it doing to the soil? I mean, it would obviously deplete nitrogen quite substantially. Because they're growing a lot of biomass for grazing and then you're trying to get grain yield, that does increase the demand for nitrogen in the system and so it does increase the amount of nitrogen inputs compared to what you would normally apply in the system so we sort of recommend somewhere in the vicinity of 250 kilograms of urea rationed out over that growing season is typically enough to to meet yield demand at the higher end for these dual purpose crops but in different environments obviously you can rationalize that depending on what your yield expectations and the biomass production might be.
I suppose one of the challenges in this balancing act that farmers would have to undertake is finding the sweet spot in terms of locking things up. I know one of the speakers said, don't just put a date on a calendar, but really closely look at your crop. What we do know is if we graze these dual-purpose crops too late and too hard with not enough residual biomass, we can have some pretty big yield penalties. And so that has a negative outcome in terms of the profitability of that crop. We also know that if we lock up early, our risks are pretty low. So there's a sweet spot in the middle where we need to manage the residual biomass that's left in those crops to a level which enables that crop to recover after the grazing occurs and give it sufficient time. So we typically find that's around this growth stage 30 to 31 where that critical timing occurs and where the grazing intensity needs to match your opportunity to regrow. So we've developed a couple of little tools that farmers might be able to access um, on the internet that might help them make those decisions, particularly in the face of differing grain prices and livestock prices where you might push the grazing period for longer and sacrifice a bit of grain yield or vice versa where you don't want to sacrifice grain yield when livestock prices might be less lucrative. So it really does come down to days in hitting that sweet spot, is it? Yeah, yeah. A key element to this is to try and monitor those crops find out where they're at in terms of their development stages and manage the grazing to optimise that timing. If you graze too late, you're risking a lot and your yield recovery will be far less than it could be. If you lock up too early, you're losing out on some grazing opportunity if you had the mouse to feed it. Yep, hitting that sweet spot to maximise rewards for your efforts. Lindsay Bell from CSIRO. My name is Chris Brown.